You're now listening to Your Real Money Stories podcast. So my auntie um, sent her a letter saying that we are requesting our monies back and we need to know how she's going to pay this. She ignores it. We send the letter to her mum's because at this stage she lives with her mum, so we send it to her address. They ignore it. Um, so that's when we decided that it was time to get our money back via small claims court. Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we are the Money Medics. And we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So today we'll be talking about lending money to friends and family and what to do if they don't pay you back. Now this can be quite an awkward topic and interestingly a Forbes.com article states and I quote, borrowing money from friends and family is usually a terrible idea and if Forbes are saying it then you gotta trust them you know, you've listened to Forbes. So as per usual there'll be three sections to the podcast. First we'll hear a personal story from our anonymous guest, then we'll discuss our own opinions and we've got some useful tips and resources at the end. Now today we have Natalie joining us and she's our anonymous guest and of course that's not her real name. Natalie thank you for joining us today, how's your day been in general? It's been good, thank you for having me, it's been a good day, I hope you guys are all well. Yes we are, thank you and thank you so much for being uh, so transparent with your story. This is actually going to be a juicy one, guys, so please listen up. So tell us your story. You previously mentioned booking um, a trip to Jamaica. So tell us a bit more about that. It was actually going to be extravaganza. So a two-week trip to Miami and Jamaica. So it was supposed to be the ultimate girls' trip. Um, This was in 2012, so I think we just hit 2021. So it was supposed to be the best thing. So we booked this trip, six girls, and the first red flag I would say is when we went to book the tickets, not many people had their deposit money ready. So that became an issue. But I, being young and dumb and very generous, was like, I'll cover our deposits. I've known you guys for years, no issue. Once that once that was done, that's when the shuffling comes, you know, <laughs> where it's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be this much. And I'm like, but we had a conversation. So after that, it kind of went downhill in regards to the money situation. So in that respect, as a group, a lot of us kind of splintered off. I gave the girls a certain amount of time to put their deposit down to reimburse me or I was going to get a refund and kind of pay for the trip, my part of the trip separately. Um, I gave them, this was 2012, so I, and we were supposed to go in May. So this we booked in, let's say, January 2012. By then, no one gave me the deposit by the deadline. So I withdrew, I got my money back and everyone had to go and book by themselves. Out of the six or seven, I think in total four or five actually came 
to the end result if that makes sense so I saved my money in that sense but that's just part one the second part was basically I had a close friend called Amy who I've known for years and at this stage and we were with each other at least nearly every day we're really really close and because I've known her we booked the trip together in like a two two person package so anything I did was connected to her in regards to the holiday. So we bought flights, hotels, whatever. When I say we, it was me. Was this the same holiday <laughs> to Jamaica and... Same holiday, still had girls coming. Yep, same holiday. So it was Miami first week and then hop over to Jamaica for the last week. So Amy kept saying, it was supposed to be, <laughs> Amy, <laughs> Amy kept saying that she will give me the money as soon as we come back. And because I've known her for a long time, I was like, yeah, that's not a Come problem. back from the trip. Yes. Yes. She was just saying that she, um, payment wise, she had a lot of things to cover and she just needed that little extra help. And in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. Like, you know, I know where you live. So <laughs> it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not, I know your mom, like we go to the same church. Like, how could this ever happen type of thing? We all met in church, by the way. So you think you're protected by the grace of God. So what happened was we go on this trip and things started to deteriorate fast like I wasn't by the time I went on the trip some of the girls were um, still upset about me withdrawing my deposit money so and them having to figure out them so no one was really talking to me um Amy was talking to me about she was kind of more on the side of the other girls even though I had paid for her trip at this stage um just catty behavior but we're young as well so it kind of went downhill so once I got on the trip things just kind of went left and it was just a lot of behavior that I wasn't happy with like Amy was kind of frolicking with her money but hadn't paid me anything yet so so she's going shopping in Miami and doing all this stuff and I'm thinking but you said you had things to pay for like I'm confused like you know I don't know what's happening and so after a while I just it started to become really toxic so because I'm Jamaican I took a flight early to Jamaica and left everyone because all I could think of is like yeah because I was just like no I'm ruining the trip's being ruined I'm not having a good time and I just don't feel happy where I am so I took a quick flight to Jamaica and kind of spent my time out there um without everyone so fast forward home time now just before we get to the home time let us know how much was this trip and how much did Amy owe you in total 1,800. Jeez. And how old were you at the time? I was 20. Wow, that's a lot of money for... Yeah. For, for 20-year-olds. I can't imagine, yeah. like, giving away <laughs> yeah. 1,800. Well, in that sense, it didn't feel like giving away. Because it was just like, I'm going to get this back in a few weeks. That's how I saw it. So I didn't, at that stage, being as young as I was, I wasn't comprehending that I would never get this back. Hmm. I don't know why I didn't. Because if you told me that just now, I'd be like, what? But now I look at it, I'm just like, yeah, that, that made no sense. <laughs> so it was a lot of money. I've got one question. How much was like the deposit for everyone that you had refunded as well? Um, I think because it was, I think it was like... I think there was six of us. I think it was, it was like STA travel. I don't know if you remember those back in the day. So it was like a hundred and something for like flights. So it was just the flights. Yeah. So it wasn't too much money. It didn't feel too much money. And I had the option, thank God, to get that back. You mean a hundred pounds each? Yes. So 600 pounds altogether that you're paying for their deposits? Yes. But I got that back. Wow. So why, why did they 
pick you like what what was it about you that made them feel like oh yeah that's that's fine let's let Natalie do you know what it was it's like we went to we went to the I went with another girl who was going to the travel agency this wasn't online so we went to the travel agency and I was just there and I was like oh I've got you know they were like this is a really good deal um you know, you need to lock in the price now. Right, I see. When I think about it now, it made no sense. I shouldn't have, my hand should not have been gone up. But there was no like pressure. It, at this stage, we were all really close. We all were going to church together. There was no, we all knew each other's mums and families. There was no, there was no drama. So I didn't, I never thought I would end up in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying. But still, 1800 is a lot of money for an 80, for a 20-year-old. So I'm thinking, what was your financial situation at the time? Were you working? Were you at uni? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was at... I didn't go uni at this stage, but I was working. So I was working. I was always saving. So it was just like my savings account that I thought I would get back. So I never um, kind of thing. So I was always a good saver kind of thing. And I didn't really shop or anything crazy or anything like that and for me if someone asked me money to borrow for a item of clothing or design a handbag I would say no but if you're asking for me for an experience that I'm going with I'm like yeah of course like I'm a big holiday fan that's all I spend my money on (laughs) so I think I see I never registered it at that time again also I thought I was getting this money (laughs) (laughs) that's a big part of it isn't it (laughs) yeah like I know like it's now that I look back, I'm like, yeah, what what were you thinking? But at that time, it just felt very natural to help my friend out type of thing. Like my friend who I've known and have sleepovers known for years didn't didn't occur to me that it would happen to me. So you had um, issues with Amy. You, by the way, everyone, Amy is not her real name. Just to just put it out there. So what issues did you have specifically with Amy herself while you were on the holiday? When the girls were upset that I took the deposit back and they had to figure out their situation, she kind when we well, before we got there, she was very much like, you know, I don't know why they're treating you like this. I don't know why they've got this issue. And then when we got out there, it kind of switched very quickly. And I was just a bit confused. It kind of... Um, kind of got really toxic and then we in while we're in Miami we actually spent a couple days in her family's home uh, her grandparents home and I overheard one day her talking about me to her grandparents and it wasn't very flattering and and I just thought raw okay you bet I borrowed you all this money you're you're chatting crap but okay so that was the day when we got back to central Miami that I took a flight to Jamaica well that must have been so hurtful uh, it was. It was hurtful because you're just like, well, you don't have to like me, but you have to kind of respect that I've helped you out in the situation. If there was without me, you would not be on this trip in regards money wise. So <laughs> that kind of happened. <laughs> you without know. me, you would not be here, girl. <laughs> you, you would not be here. Wow. Like you, you know, you would help. You would have got here on a hope and a wish, not on the jet. Like, I don't know, like, it's confusing. But at this stage, I was very young and I wasn't, it was just, it felt very isolating as well. So I'm on this trip feeling isolated. The friends who I fought with my friends, we no longer have that, like, bond anymore. I don't know what's going on. So that's when I decided to take a trip, take the second half of the trip sooner and hop over to Jamaica. I had a really good time, I can't lie, when I got there. <laughs> I can imagine. But you were telling us about what happened when you got back. So yeah, what what happened? 
So when I got back, I think things started to sink in of how think bad things were. And I think I got really, really sad. And I was reaching out saying, you know, where's my money? And no response. Like, no response. Like, air pie, got nothing, nothing. So kept asking, left it a couple weeks or so. No money in my account. She wouldn't respond to me. It just, or even when she did respond to me, it was like, just not answering the question. It was very like weird. So after a while, I think it started to really start to like depress me. I was just like, right, I've lost all this money. I've kind of lost most of my friends who I've known for years. I don't know what's going on. And it's a bit weird. So after continuously trying to reach out and not getting anything back, I kind of, my mum, without my knowledge, sent her an email. Oh, your mum emailed Amy? Yes which I didn't know and was just like, you know, why have you done this? You know, you owe this money, blah, blah, blah. Amy emails back and said, yes, auntie, I know I owe all this money. Like I'll definitely pay you and her back the money, um, blah, blah, blah. This email is important because this is what kind of helped me in the long run. So that's why I mention it. Um, again, nothing follows up after that. She doesn't come back. She doesn't help with any, she doesn't like contact me. So that's when I get my auntie involved, who's a natural lawyer. So my auntie um, sends her a letter saying that we are requesting our monies back and we need to know how she's going to pay this. She ignores it. We send the letter to her mum's because at this stage she lives with her mum. So we send it to her address. They ignore it. Um, so that's when we decided that it was time to get our money back via small claims court. I've got a question. So did you ever like rock up to her house, knock on her door, like call her mum on the phone, text her mum? Do you know what? I actually, I don't know if I, I think I called her mum. I think I called her, but no one was answering. And I didn't go up to her house. I just, I know, I don't think I went to her house. Um, no, I didn't go to her house. One thing you said that, because I feel like you mentioned church quite a few times and it's like, you'd expect that if someone would go to church, church, elders. church yes. you know, yeah, that they'll have some sort of like, like decency and, and everything. Some mediation. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know, like, how did you feel throughout the process in trying to claim the money and, and the fact that it kept on escalating, that your auntie was getting involved and now you're about to go to small games, like... Because I know like, we touched on mental health a few times in previous podcast episodes. But, but I like, think at this stage, my mental, my mental health was gone. So there was no... Because it wasn't just the dealing of the money. It was the friends I thought were my friends are no longer my friends. They are also attached to my church. So you kind of feel friendless and homeless in regards to church. No one at church is helping this either in regards to adults. Even though we were 19, 20, you kind of... You still feel a little bit of a baby kind of thing, but everyone was kind of Ray Charlesing. And at this stage, I was just like, yeah, this is, this is not a bit of me. Fine. I can't process this anymore. So that's why I handed it over to my auntie. And I think at one stage from, um, I think they thought we were joking. So when, you know, that some people might say, oh, my auntie is a lawyer, you know, she's going to do this. My auntie in the letter included her, I think it's like a lawyer number where you can actually search the lawyer's number to actually know that they're actually a registered lawyer i practice law google me mm, like this is no longer a joke yeah. you know yeah. and they kind of handled it from there so we went to small claims um and that was so we went on the holiday in end of may we were in small claims by i think 
And like during that period of like taking her to like um small claims court, at that point, did you hope to reconcile the friendship, or you know, was was it was that the end of it for you? Absolutely not. So it was done and dusted, really. Yeah, like do you know what it is? It's like it's not so much the money; it's the principle, and it's the and it's just like. I wasn't in the mental space to even think about friendship. I kind of just went into a little cocoon, didn't really talk to anyone and kind of kept myself to myself. What was the small claims court process like? So what did you have to do exactly? So luckily, because my auntie is a lawyer, she knew how to do it, but it's quite simple and anyone can do small claims. So what happens is you fill out a form. So this is back in 2012. It's changed a bit now. You fill out a form. You put the situation and you basically just post it. You post it to the court and you post a copy to the actual, um, to Amy. We post one to Amy. And she has an option to say, I don't own this money and prove it. Or can say, I did all this money, but I've paid it back. Or we're going to try and work something out. She ignored it. Because obviously at this stage, you don't know what a CCJ is. We're young. What is a, you know, what is a CCJ? So... When you do small claims, you've got to kind of figure it out. When we did that, she ignored it. So that was, let's say, Jan. And then it was entered end of Jan. So when a small claim is entered and no one responds, it becomes a CCJ for six years. Ooh, so then she had a CCJ on her record for six six years. Wow. Okay, so she just completely ignored it. She didn't even, like, try and pay back a little bit or nothing like that? Well, let's say that's Jan 2013. Yeah. 5th of March, we were contacted by a consolidation company for, like, basically, which I think it was a company who consolidate your debts in in regards to you having loads of debts. And they offer, she makes payments to them and they make payments to all her creditors or all her debtors or whatever it's called. So they off came to us on the 5th of March to be like, oh, you know, we understand that this woman, blah, 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 owes you money. She's offered to pay £65 a month. That's what she can afford for 30 months. So we were like at this stage, all right, let's pay the money, £65 a month for 30 months. This is the end of it. I'll be getting my money back. Even if it's drips and drabs, it's still the money back. She paid once. So did she contact the... um? Debt consolidators? She must have, yeah. For for you to use those for you to use those companies, you have to contact them to help. So it's like you're in a really when you got CCJs or insolvency or bankruptcy, there has to be some sort of payment plan if you really want to get out of it. Or the other thing is you kind of wait it out. CCJs you can wait it out kind of, but even then there's things you can do. So it just depends. So she so in June she stopped paying, she paid once. And then we were chasing up the company. They said she hasn't paid us enough to pay you. And that was that. So she must have been in quite a bit of debt for her to have actually contacted them. Maybe. That's what I'm assuming. Because no one uses that to kind of do such a thing. Or she was trying to ting just to say, look, I've paid you a little, let it go. I don't know what her end result was. but But after that, I left it and kind of just didn't do anything. Okay. So how do you feel about it now? Now it's been, been what? How how long do you twenty? How long, is it? Ten years ago? Twenty thirteen. Oh, twenty thirteen. So now now it's been like almost ten years. How do you? How are you feeling about it now? I mean, if you saw her on the road, would you still speak to her? Or are you guys okay? No, no. no? 
Well, no, no, we're not okay. We'll never be okay. Um, usually before, if you talk to me like last year, I'd be like, oh, forget it. But then in November, <laughs> um, I think I, when I messaged you guys, I totally forgot about the situation. I thought, oh, right, I've, that's happened to me. And then I thought, do you know what? Why am I not chasing my money? I know like it's annoying to chase them when you're old. So in November this year, I entered another CCJ because I realised that she was waiting it out. I realised her game plan was to wait out the CCJ so it can get off her account. And all I could think of is £1,800 would help my legal fees when I buy my house or it could help, you know, buy my car. Like, you know, when, when you get older and you've got real life problems, I want to buy a house. I live in London. It's quite hard. Where's my money? So if you're not going to pay me on my money, my mindset, once I got stronger, I was in a better place and, you know, my mental health is much better. I feel much better in myself. I'm an adult now. I started to think I'm going to work. I'm doing what I need to do. I don't lie, cheat or steal. So why do you get to live your life and still have my money? So I decided upon myself, if I'm not going to get my money back, you're going to have the CCJ for the rest of your life. You're not going to be able to rent somewhere. You're not going to be, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue until you pay me. So I entered it again. Now with the CCJ process, it can either expire or you can re-enter it. But the only way you can re-enter it is if you've made contact or tried to make contact to get your money back. God save my mum. Apparently she sent her an email in 2016 saying, what is going on? Why have you not paid? I had no idea of this. That email was able for me, even though she didn't respond, I was able to show that I've had contact for the money and I was able to re-enter it. So I applied it again, again at cost, because it costs every time you re-enter. It's all digital now, which is much easier for everyone to do. You enter it. Um, when I tried to do, before I re-entered it, you're allowed to, by law, add interest. So it started at 1,800. It's now over 3,200. Wow. And that's, and that's by law, by the way. The law is on your side when it comes to interest. You can apply interest to how many years this has not been paid. Um, so in November, I did that. She, I sent it to her last known address where I know she actually lives because I checked her on the, um, you know, the 192 registry of poll tax and stuff. Um, not poll tax, council tax. Um, when it got sent to her house, she's tried to return it and say she doesn't live there no more. Her family returned it and said she doesn't live there no more. So this could have become a problem. But what I, when I called the client, we called Glames, I'm saying, look, I think this is her last known address. This is the only address I have. Her name, her date of birth or whatever is correct. And her email. And they were basically saying to me, it doesn't matter about the address. It's more to do with the name. So if you feel that this is the address you sent it to and that's the last known address you had for her, it will be entered. Just to clarify, because because you mentioned that you you did this CCJ after speaking to us. Just to clarify, we didn't advise mm-hmm. this or we didn't we didn't have anything to no, do with No, no, no. When I speak No, she did not. And even then, I don't even think it was speaking to you. I just been following a lot of like money um programs and like money like Instagrams, just trying to get better with my financial situation. So you guys definitely didn't yeah. do it. And I even think I messaged you after I did okay, it actually. Just to so it was you guys. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, no one forced me to do anything. But when you're what when you get older and you're doing better with money and you're making financial decisions as an adult you realize that younger you may have made some dumb mistakes so why should other people benefit from taking the mick out of your kindness 
So for me, I might have not come to your house and knocked down your door, but there's other ways to do it. And that is a CCJ where when you go and get a phone bill, you can't get a phone bill. When you go and want to go and rent a house, you can't rent no house. Or when you want to go and get a mortgage, a CCJ active is very hard to get a mortgage. Boy, do not mess with you, boy. I would so not want to lend I, I, money. I feel... <laughs> I'm a really nice person. <laughs> Just don't... Like, you know, like, it's you got to kind of... You don't have to... I won't make noise. I don't need to come to your house and knock on your doors. I will just do things legally that I can do, even if it will be a long, like, long return. Like, I don't expect to see any money. She, I got in contact with her, because we have mutuals. Like, I got in contact with her for a mutual, and she was like, oh, I heard you're looking for me. I just wanted you to have my number so you're not chasing me. And I'm like, okay, this is the situation. You owe me this money. What are you going to do about it? Now, this is where the story got gets a bit interesting. She says, I've paid you this money. I paid the company. They were taking money out of my account. I believe I've paid you. And I was like, what what money did you think you paid me? And she was like, I have to check my banker statements. I was like, okay, let's check your bank statements. Let me know. Up till now, that was November. I've heard nothing, nothing. Because she's checking her statements. It takes months, apparently. No, I'm completely like like that, uh, Natalie. I, I feel like... I wouldn't send goons to someone's house. I'll just use the law and my knowledge to make you work hard if you've wronged me. That's that's my own personal approach. But like, I wanna I wanna ask an ultimatum, right? If tomorrow <clears throat> she came up to you and she she apologized, um, would you settle the three thousand and forget about it, or would you feel like it's too little, too late? I can't buy a house with an apology. I don't. Damn girl. <laughs> like, have you tried to have you tried have you seen London house prices? Like ha- have you done anything of an apology? That is I can't go to Zara and be like, oh Zara, here's my apology. I would like those pair of shoes in the back. It's not gonna work for me. I don't need like for me personally, an apology does nothing for me. Absolutely wow. like, I'm okay with silence. You're ruthless. <laughs> I would not miss <laughs> like, also it's just like would you accept an apology like I don't need an apology I need my I need my money and I feel like an apology does nothing for me no it's true like guys would you I wouldn't accept an apology to be honest I I wouldn't not absolutely not it's too late and what is your sorry what are you sorry for because it's for eight ten years nearly ten years like what are we sorry exactly for because even when I contacted you again in my respect I felt she's lying again because I've come to you on a humble tip saying, look, you owe me this money again. I've entered a new CCJ. You, tr- you, There's been no movement. You could have come back to me and said, look, there's some statements that says I've paid. You haven't paid. Like she was asking me, oh, what company came to you and said I paid this? I'm thinking, this is, why am I doing your admin? Yeah, like, like, what is, like what is going on? But you know, when you placate someone, because you're like, I feel like you get, you track bees with honey and more than vinegar. So like, okay, like if you want to play this game, I'm not disrespectful. You know, I'll answer your questions, still nothing. So for me, I don't need to have an apology. I don't have any, there's no love lost. I'm not, if I saw her in the street, I'm going to keep walking. Like there's no, I haven't got no anger towards it. But what I will have is, you know, emotional intelligence to know that, I may be may have been hurt then, but now it's more action. 
the CCJ is action. The atta- I'm thinking of doing um, attachment of earnings once I find a trace on her to actually know if she works. All of these cost money, but if I can actually find out if she works and I can do an attachment earnings where it will come straight out of her account. Oh, tell us tell us more about this. This attachment of earnings. Give, give us some more details. So because I have a CCJ entered, which means by the court she owes me money, there's something else that you can do to recoup the money. So there's a lot of things you can do by law, but everything can come at a cost. So let's say I did this, this, she's not working and I do an attachment earning to try and find if she's got it, it could cost me more money because she hasn't got any money to give. So let's say she's on benefits or she's got a low paying job. I might only get five pound a week type of thing. But if I can find out she's actually working, there's something called an attachment of earnings where basically the court can contact your employer and say, you own this, owe this money and they can take it from her salary. Wow. Not fully, but in increments. Wow. So there's no running away. Do, do, do you know, this is the first time I heard of this. That's just how I know knowledge Knowledge is power. Yeah, how did you, how did you find out about this, <laughs> Natalie? Where did you get all this? Is this from your um, auntie that's a lawyer that, that's told you all? Did you research this yourself? No. Um, she mentioned to it years ago, but I think once I got older, I kind of... I must have been having a really... Um, I must have had a really poor week where I was just like, no, nah, this girl's got my money. What am I going to, how am I going to get it back? You know, you have those mad moments where you're just sitting down and, you know, you're at work and you're thinking, right, it's raining. I've got to go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, it was winter time. And I was just like, like, this is not the life that I'm accustomed to. And someone else has got my money. And also I think when you get older, you have different money goals and you're like, right, someone's got 3000 for me sitting at home, living their movie. And I'm just like, this is wrong. So you just, you just Google and you, you, everything is on the gov website. Nothing is hidden. You know, everything is on the gov website. There's loads of booklets they have for the gov website. It's like they, they do it in a very easy way where you can figure out how to do this. The only difficult part is doing a trace. So a trace on someone in regards to finding out their, what's it called? Their job, their correct address, that costs money. So that costs, I think you'd have to go to a lawyer for that. And that can cost anywhere between a hundred and upwards. And remember, this will cost money to you. So how much in total would you say that you spent in terms of like legal fees and court proceedings and stuff like that? Well, because I didn't have to do legal fees because, um, you know, auntie family rates. And the last November bit was all me. So I think to enter the new judgment, it cost one something. And then if I do attachment, if I do um, a trace on her, I think it'd be like 100, 150. And then if I do attachment earning, I'm not entirely sure of the cost. But what you can do is ask the court to add it on again. It can add on to how much they owe you. But I guess I have to ask the killer question, like... Do you feel comfortable lending money to people now? And if so, do you have a threshold or is it like it's a no-go area now? Um, I feel very comfortable lending people money. <laughs> Which, wow. Yeah. I didn't expect that response. You know? Yeah. Um, do you know what it is? It's because my friendship group is completely different. Right. I see what you mean. Like my, friend, my friendship group is completely, it's like night and day. It's completely different. Um, since then I have lent money, not huge amounts. So in regards to like a threshold, um, it depends. I wouldn't lend loads, but if my friend came to me and was like, oh, I need some money because I'm just about to lose blah, blah, blah. Or I need a bill and I've never gotten in trouble, but I need your help. There's no way I'm going to say no to my friend if they need it. I'm not going to, you know, supplement your lifestyle. Like if you're saying, oh, there's this handbag I want or these trainers and I'm not paying, I'm not paying it. But if you're saying to me, you need my help, 
my friend's group, I can, with my chest, say I'm fine. And I've done it before. Since this, I've done it and I've had no problems whatsoever. Since this incident happened, what's the most you've lent to someone after this incident? Or have you just, do you have a cap on how much you can lend? I don't think it's a cap. I think it's more the situation. So um, I think I've lent a thousand it was, um, and I got it back the next week. Mm, okay. So this is, th- this is my thing. So I've had no, when I tell you I've lent money and I've had no problems, it's very rare anyway, if my friends come to me with, um, but they know if they need to, they can. So it's like an unspoken rule. Like everyone helps everyone out, but really we don't need to because we're good. But if we need to, you're supposed to help your friends out, but you have to pick your friends. <laughs> like that's the key is picking your friends. Yeah. And so if, if I want to ask you advice and I was like, oh yeah, so my friends want me to give them a thousand pounds, what would be your general advice to me? So how should I assess the situation and how should I um, decide whether or not I should or shouldn't give the money out to my friends? What would be your general advice? So I would say to you is, are they your friend? And there's a few markers. Would they help you out? Have they helped you out? Do you talk to them often? Or is it once in a while? And when was the last time they spoke to you before they asked for mm, money? That's a good one. That is like a real, yep. that's a real like you can yeah. gauge. Um, you're allowed to ask as a human, like a friend and a human being, because your money, you are now Nat West, ask them, what's the money for? Okay, there's no secrets. If you need money, you need to tell me what it's for. If it's a large amount, if it's a tenner, then, you know, go but if we're talking large amounts what's the money for another thing i would say is when you agree write something down in a message say i am willing to give you a thousand pounds be very very clear i want this you have i want this money back by x and y and z are you okay with this text that email that don't do it on the phone get them to respond and there you have a little backup. So just in case of anything, you've got that trial, trial, trial there. <laughs> you've got that trial there. Yeah. And if your friend has no issue, your friend should never have an issue with you saying, messaging that and asking for a verbal written response. Thank you so much, Natalie. Really appreciate it. Educating us and telling us your story. You're welcome. Wow. I don't, I don't even know what to say. It was so... That story was very interesting. I can't believe, like... You know when situations happen in the past and maybe something happens and it brings up all these old feelings and the emotions ain't... And then when money is involved, you just lose your mind. Like, you just get so angry. So I can totally understand, you know, why she's um taking out or redoing the CCJ against um, Amy. But, yeah... Obviously, this is a section where we're going to ask each other some questions. I've got, I've got one question for you guys, you know. Um, so my question is, do you lend money to friends? And what would you do if you lent money to a friend and they didn't pay you back? Uh, this is a, a tough one. I think, you know what? When I was starting out, I'd probably say... I would lend money. I, I think I lent money to one friend. I think it was like a hundred pounds or something. Well, I think 150, 100 pounds. And in my mind, it's those times when I used to lend money. I used to think that it made me look good. Like oh, I'm doing well. So I can lend money to this friend and it'll be okay. 
and then they could they would pay me back. But there was this one friend he didn't he didn't pay me back, and I found out from someone else that he was um, struggling, and I think I just let it go. And I think that's something that our mum mum has always kind of told us that when you borrow money to if like just pretend like just accept that you may not get it back. And then a few years later, he did pay me back the money and he said, oh, thank you, bro. I really appreciate it. Um, And then fast forward to like during the wedding period, this is my biggest lesson. When it it comes to like uh, wedding accommodation, don't use your own money to to pay for stuff because either people will cancel or they'll think you'll forget because of the euphoria of planning a wedding. Babe, I can say like, I probably say I lost anywhere from 600 to 700 pounds because I made hotel bookings. People said they were going to pay me the money. I didn't pay me the money. I just forgot. So that's my biggest lesson when it comes to to wedding planning. Don't, um, if people want to um, pay for a hotel, any, any expenses, you let them use their own money. Don't tell, don't let them tell you, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pay for it a bit later because yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it gets messy. Yeah. 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 So now I was saying that, yeah, I agree with Nick. Um, but then I said, oh, actually it was both of our weddings. So I, of course I agree because it was my wedding too. <laughs> but even with my, um, with my bridesmaids and stuff, I, I mean, if I could afford to pay for everything, I probably would have, but I knew I couldn't. So I didn't do any deposits for anyone because realistically, if people didn't pay me back, I'll be screwed. But um, with regards to would I lend money to a friend? So I'm similar to Natalie in that if I was to lend money, um, I would ask what it's for. And if they don't give me a good reason, then the answer will be no. Because I had someone not too long ago ask me, for like, I think £100, £150, I asked her, oh, what, what is it for? And she was like, oh, she wants to buy a new outfit for a date that she wants to go on. I was like, huh? You want me to give you money for a date? What do you think this don't is? Know that we're in a pan- don't know that we're in a pandemic. <laughs> no, no, this was ages ago. This was way before oh, the pandemic, okay. yeah. So I ain't got money to lend you so that you can go and enjoy yourself, mate. I'm not helping you live your best life. But um, interestingly, because my sister, um, my younger sister, she actually lends money a lot to different people. um, And so many people have taken advantage of her. I remember there was a guy that, um, and this guy is like 10 years older than her. He's like a a friend of everyone. Um, And he asked her for, I think, £100. And that money was to take his girlfriend out on a date and my sister gave it to him, and I thought that was really silly. He did pay her back, but I thought, like, why would he give money for that? I felt like he was taking advantage of her. And then there was another guy, um, another one that's closer to all of us. Um, he asked her for £50, and then a week later, found out that he proposed to his girlfriend. So, and he never paid my sister back. So we were saying to well, sister, you clearly have paid for this guy's engagement ring so that girl's ring you probably contributed to it so so yeah personally um if if it's for a good reason if someone is like genuinely struggling then I would give the money but I would not expect the money to be returned to me and if it is then that's a bonus it is a tough one normally like my rule is like I don't don't lend money to people because Obviously, it will end up. It will end up in tears. 
But I believe that you can give money to people with the hopes that, you know, of you not getting back that way, like your ex, that way you're not expecting anything. But obviously I've got like my really close friends that if like, you know, absolute push comes to shove and, you know, like they, um, I think there's only a couple of friends that I can lend money to, but we've been friends for a very long time. And in terms of that friendship, I would hope that they'll pay me back because I had a friend that I lent a very large sum of money to and they did pay me back because I don't know, I believe in that friendship and I believe in that person. Well, how much is it? How much I lend them? £3,000. Hey, how long ago was this? (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm not going to say too much because, yeah, anyways. But, yeah, I lent somebody £3,000. They, they paid me back. It was for a good cause, so, like, it, it made sense. And and they, and they pay me back and there's no problems. That particular person, I would lend them money over and over and over and over and over again. So, um, and, I, and I'm sure they would do the same for me, you know. But apart from that, other than that, um, I don't really lend money to, like, maybe people that are not, like, my really, really close, 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 close friends. Okay. But, like... This has been such a powerful episode. I think I'm going to keep the, t- the tips like quite brief because I feel like there's a lot of knowledge that Natalie spilled in terms of like the attachment of earnings, uh, going to small claims court. But I think just to kind of round things off, I think the, the most fundamental thing you need to understand is if you're going to borrow money to friends and family, understand is it a loan or is it a gift? If it's a gift, just know that you're not getting the money back, you know. There's no strings attached or anything. If it's a loan, you need to specify terms of the agreement. Secondly, I would say sometimes it's not always you have to give the person money, you know. Even though they're asking for money, find out what the problem is, you know. If, if they're in need of money and you're in a position of influence or responsibility... It could be that you help them get a job, you know, you you help them physically in that particular situation. Do they need to um, move somewhere? Do they do they need? Um, do you need? Perhaps could you help them in, in applying for a better paying job? I know it sounds quite ridiculous, but it's very very important. You actually ask the person what exactly do you need the money for, and therefore you can then problem solve if there's another way you can help them without giving you without giving them money. So I really do hope guys you've kind of gained a lot from this episode. It's quite an, it's always very funny when you mix uh, money, family and friends. But yeah, if you as always if you uh, want to be on the next episode, slide into your DMs. Uh, but yeah till next time guys. Uh, bye. Bye guys you've just listened to an episode of your real money stories an original podcast brought to you in association with sopa who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier so make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode for more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast and of course if you want to be in the next episode make sure you slide into our dms on instagram at money medics